Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Glad you've joined us today on Know Your Bible as we study the Bible and hopefully we all learn a little bit more about our Bible. What we do here is answer questions and the way we get those questions is our viewers can use the phone number or the website at the bottom of the screen, use those anytime and tell us what's on your mind. Do we get questions about specific verses, about uh, topics, about doctrines, about is that really in the Bible? And we get a lot of life questions too about uh, this is going on in my life and uh, what's the Bible have to say about that? So we try to find answers in the Bible and uh, glad to help you with whatever's on your mind. But call in or log in and uh, give us your question. Let me introduce my two partners here on Know Your Bible. I'm Steve Tandy and Toby Levering's here to my left. Good, Good morning, morning Toby. Jeff Martin down Hi, there. Hi, Jeff. Glad you're here and ready to go. Uh, got a lot of good questions coming up today, and Toby's going to start us off in a second, but our <clears> viewers <throat> always get number one, so here's your question. Which of Israel's enemies captured the Ark of the Covenant? We've got multiple choice here. Ammonites, Moabites, or Philistines? One of those three bunches uh, stole the Ark of the Covenant. So we'll give you the answer at the end of the program. See if you know that bit of Bible trivia. And Toby's got an easy one here. Yeah. Yeah, the question is simply, what does God look like? So uh, we'll just go ahead and bring that up on the screen at the next slide. No, kidding. We, of course, uh, do not know what God looks like because no one has ever seen God. Uh, John 4.24, Jesus said to Nicodemus uh, that God is spirit. And that's a really important statement because human beings are flesh and blood. We have a spiritual part to us, the soul, the spirit, but... But God is spirit. So if a person asks, well, what color is God's hair? What color is his skin? What color are his eyes? Well, those are physical questions, and you're asking physical questions of a spiritual being. So, of course, we don't know what God looks like if he has a look at all. Uh, God, Jesus said simply of him uh, that God is spirit. So uh, don't try to answer spiritual questions uh, with physical, give physical answers to spiritual questions. Of course, we know that artists have made many attempts and we kind of get a picture in our mind perhaps that he would be grandfatherly in appearance and have a white beard and long flowing hair. Scriptures never says any of that. It simply says uh, that God is spirit. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, John writes this, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God's God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So the answer is we don't know what God looks like. <laughs> All right, good answer. I've got the next one. Uh, where does it say God helps those who helps them who help themselves? Uh, and the answer is it doesn't specifically. 
this is a phrase that is commonly believed to be in the Bible, but is not. This phrase is attributed to Ben Franklin and was in the Poor Richard's Almanac in 1757, uh, which was a long time after the words in the Bible were written. Uh, now, this quote might have been loosely derived from a verse in Colossians. So let's look at Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So this verse is a part of, collection, of a collection of verses that's talking about how families who follow the Lord should act. Uh, it says that wives should submit to husbands, that husbands should love wives, that children should obey parents. And then finally, it says, whatever we should do, we should do as if we were working for the Lord. And what this is, is some extremely good wisdom from the Word of God. If we live this way, uh, our lives have a better chance of being successful, of being better. And this is a way that Christians should live. Uh, the only thing that we need to be careful about when looking at this quote and this verse is that we become the engines of our inheritance from God. That the, the good things that we do are why we receive our inheritance from God. Uh, the Bible is extremely clear that humans are helpless in the way of sin and condemnation. Uh, we all fall so short of the glory of God. We all sin. And because of that, we deserve condemnation. <clears throat> God did something about that. He sent His Son as a sacrifice for us. And it's because of that sacrifice, uh, not because of what we did, that we are saved. And that's why we should do the things that we see in Colossians 3. All of the things that we see in Colossians 3. Uh, I will say one more time that if we do these things, uh, our life on earth has a much better chance of being a good life. Um, so that quote might have been loosely derived from Colossians, but it is not specifically in the Bible. Okay, I've got an interesting question here about baptism. A viewer says, which comes first, being saved or being baptized? And let me say this, that is a very modern question. Uh, and by that I mean that question uh, has only been asked for the last 500 years or so. Uh, for instance, today, if you just got a list of churches in your town and uh, called each one of them and called up and asked that question, uh, which comes first, baptism or being saved? <clears throat> you would get answers. Uh, every church was like, oh. I can explain that to you. Uh, and some churches would tell you, well, salvation comes first, and then later you can be baptized. And other churches would say, well, you've got to be baptized, uh, and then salvation will come. And so you'd get people on either side. Now, when I say it's a modern question, I mean, if you would have asked the Apostle Paul or Peter or anybody in the New Testament or any Christian for a thousand years and more, which comes first, baptism or salvation, they would look at you like you were kind of goofy. I'd say, what, what do you mean? Uh, because the answer in the Bible, the answer that Peter would give you, the answer that Paul would give you, uh, is that simultaneous. Uh, salvation comes at baptism. Uh, when you're baptized is when you are saved. Now, one doesn't come before the other. So that's the Bible 
answer. Uh, let me give you a couple of verses that show you the way the Bible thinks about baptism and salvation. Acts 22:16. Uh, this is Paul. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. After he had repented, after he had believed, after he had fasted, uh, after he had prayed for three days, all those things happened. And the preacher Ananias said, "Now, what are you waiting for? Get up." Be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Uh, when you're baptized, your sins will be washed away. That was Ananias' answer, uh, simultaneous happening. Uh, Romans chapter 6, 3, Paul explains it this way to the Romans. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Uh, yes, the death of Jesus is what saves us. And when did we get into that death? When we get in contact with it? Well, when we were baptized. Uh, that's when that happened. So the Bible best answer is salvation and baptism are a simultaneous event at baptism is when we are saved. Now, baptism doesn't save us. Uh, the blood of Jesus saves us and the grace through faith saves us. But what, what God said, what Jesus said was when it happens, is when you're baptized. Uh, that's when you're born again. You're born of water. You're born of the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit changes your heart. He makes you a new creature. God forgives your sin. There's a huge list of things that happen at baptism. In the mind of God, that's when it happens. So I cannot answer that question, which comes first, baptism or salvation, uh, because it's a simultaneous event. All right, let's talk about studying the Bible a little bit. Uh, we enjoy answering questions, and I guess if you watch this program long enough, and we all live long enough, you'd get a whole lot of Bible from, from Know Your Bible. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, we don't get much Bible covered each week. There's a whole lot more in there, uh, and a lot more important things, perhaps, than we deal with sometimes here on Know Your Bible. That's why we advocate home Bible study. That's why we try to help our viewers get started in home Bible study. And we've got some tools that are really good ways to start studying the Bible. Uh, here's our introductory course. It's just a good overview of the Bible. <clears throat> let you know the main parts of the Bible, the Old and New Testament, and then some of the big topics of the Bible. Uh, after that course, we've got some others that take you through the life of Jesus and uh, the beginning of the church in the book of Acts and church history and uh, all interesting things that help you know your Bible. We've got some online courses that also are a great way to do things digitally if you want to study on your uh, iPad or uh, phone or PC, whatever you want to do, you can study. Just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org. I answer a few questions for them, and that'll get you started in studying the Bible on online. So, great way. Phone number, website at the bottom of the screen. Use those anytime. We'll get you started in Bible study. All right, Toby. Yes, a question about uh, being able to speak to those who passed on. Can dying people speak to people who have already passed on? Uh, well, this is a very specific question. I don't know the context. Uh, perhaps someone is on their deathbed or near death, and uh, they say, well, I've seen Uncle Joe who's already passed on, or I saw Grandma so-and-so, or 
whatever the case might be. And you're saying, is that true? I don't know. I'm reading a lot in your question here. My answer is uh, possibly, but not likely. Um, the scripture really, it never says it's impossible for the dead or for the living to communicate with the dead. The, probably the most well-known story is the uh, story of King Saul uh, summoning a, 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 or asking for the witch Endor to uh, summon the prophet Samuel who had already passed on and she does so. It's a very interesting story. It's found in First Samuel chapter 28. Um, but what scripture does say and and what the commands from the law, from the Old and the New Testament alike, uh, say very clearly is that that kind of behavior is forbidden. It doesn't say it can't work. It just says steer clear of it. And you know the, those who are in this world not com- to communicate or speak to the dead and so forth. So we'll look at one scripture from Leviticus chapter 18. There shall not be any among you who, uh, there shall not be found among you anyone who practices divination, tells fortunes, interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, who, or one who inquires of the dead. And, and so we see that there at the last one, but then the last part of this verse is the part I want to point your attention to, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. Um, so you ask, can, and my answer to that is, we don't know. Uh, my answer is, if it is possible, uh, God strictly speaks against it and it calls it an abomination, so not something that we should do. Uh, I don't know if that answers your specific uh, situation that you're asking about, but that's what the Bible says about speaking to the dead. Yeah, biblically speaking, it always makes sense to stay away from those things, yep. at least as far as I've yep. seen. Yep. Um, I've got one here about the King James Bible. A viewer wants to know, I have trouble following the King James Bible. Is the new King James easier to read, and does it stay true to the original meaning? Uh, and choosing a, choosing a, a good translation is important. Uh, and to show you this, uh, let's put on the screen a, a, a verse, um, first in King James Version, and under it you can see it in New King James Version. We'll look at this and we'll decide, number one, do these two verses have the same concept, and number two is one very obviously easier to understand than the other. So this is 1 John 3.17. In the King James it says, But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And I'm sure most of our viewers can understand what that's saying, uh, but it's going to take you a little bit. Uh, you're going to have to think about it. Uh, now let's look in the New King James. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Uh, now it's very obvious and there's, there's several other examples in these two versions, but it's very obvious that those two verses, those two representations of that verse, rather, say the same thing. We're getting the same concept and one of them is very obviously easier to understand than the other. Uh, and we can see that throughout the King James and the New King James. Uh, now, one thing you can do now with technology is you can have multiple versions up at the same time if you want to do that to feel a little bit safer, and you can read through the Bible like that to make sure that the verses are saying the same thing. I would recommend sticking with a literal translation, 
um, but you should be just fine with the New King James James Bible. You're, that's a great answer. Um, a tool that I use often is BibleGateway.com, and you can look at a verse and look at all the translations. Very helpful in study, and if you have a word or you don't understand it, you can look at what other translations say. It's really, really just helpful. Just to ensure, that's a yeah. good one. Yep, a whole, whole lot easier these days in yeah. some ways than <laughs> the old ways. All right, let's uh, talk about this one, Old Testament. What's the difference between the Old Testament and the Torah? Uh, good question. Some of you may have heard uh, Jews especially refer to the Torah. Uh, let me just give you a <coughs> visual answer to that here. I've got my Bible marked up. Okay, this is the Old Testament right here, and this is the Torah. So the Old Testament is longer than the Torah. The Torah is part of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is 60, uh, 39 books long, and the Torah is five books long. Uh, the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are the five books of the Torah, the five books of the law. All right, now, <clears throat> the distinction is that those five books contain the law. Uh, they've got some history in there, too, but they're mainly uh, the law of Moses and all the laws re uh, regulating the Israelites' worship and life and all of that. So when Jews today talk about uh, the law, they're talking about the Torah. Uh, the Torah is what guides their life and worship and, and all of that. Now, <clears throat> after that, there's more in the Old Testament. Uh, there are a number of books of history. Uh, people wrote about the period of the kings and uh, the chronicles of the kings and all of that. So the next 12 books in the Old Testament are books of history. <clears throat> then some people wrote poetry. Uh, the Psalms were collected. The Proverbs were collected. Uh, so there's five books of poetry in the Old Testament, we call them. And then there are books of prophecy. And there are five major prophets and 12 minor prophets, and that's the end of the Old Testament. So you put all those together, uh, you've got law, history, poetry, and prophecy all make up the Old Testament. When Jesus referred to that, he talked about all of the law and the prophets. Uh, that's the Jewish term for that, and that's what that makes up the Old Testament. There's law, history, poetry, and some prophecy. Uh, when the Jews talk about the law, they're talking about the first five books which contain the law. That's the Torah. So that's the difference. The Torah is part of the Old Testament, but the Old Testament has a lot more in, it in addition to just the law of Moses. All right, let me take a second out of our uh, study here and talk about uh, visiting a church near you. Uh, this program is produced and brought to you by the Churches of Christ in your area, and we like to mention a few of our special partners that help us stay on the air. Here's a couple in South Central Kansas, uh, Derby, Kansas, and Wellington, Kansas, are both longtime supporters of Know Your Bible, uh, great little congregations of folks that uh, study the Bible a lot like we do and uh, appreciate the work that we do here and help us stay on the air. So they bring the program to you, and we like to thank them. Uh, maybe you live in Derby or Wellington or close to one of those communities. If you're looking for a church home, uh, I'll suggest you visit Derby Church of Christ or Wellington Church of Christ. 
uh, if you know somebody that attends one of those congregations, uh, mention it to them that you like to watch Know Your Bible and didn't know that they sponsored it and thank them for helping us stay on the air. Uh, whatever viewing area you're in, there's probably a Church of Christ close to you. Uh, drop in and visit them. Thank them for uh, helping us stay on the air. Visit the Church of Christ sometime. All right, Toboy, got yep. uh, angels, a, more yes, angels have, here. We've got an archangel question this time. Uh, is Jesus the archangel Michael? Uh, no, Jesus is not the archangel Michael. Uh, Jesus is much higher than angels. Jesus is the creator. Angels are created beings. Even <coughs> archangels are created beings. Uh, the idea of an archangel is pretty exciting. Is that uh, you know more powerful or in some way have more authority over other angels? Um, uh, Michael. Uh, specifically is only mentioned one time uh, specifically in the scripture. Archangels is mentioned different places, but Michael is the only one where he's specifically mentioned. So uh, let's look at a couple of other uh, <coughs> scriptures. First is Jude chapter, uh, basically chapter, verse 9. No, there's only one chapter. But uh, when the archangel Michael, contending, contending with the devil, who was disputing about the body of Moses... He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. All right, now, so this is interesting. There's a lot of questions on this verse specifically, but uh, we see that, that Michael is different than the Lord. And that, of course, he was contending with the devil, uh, who himself is an angel. And so there was some sort of angelic battle happening, and um, Michael doesn't blaspheme uh, Satan or the devil. Instead, he goes he he goes up to his superior and he says the Lord. So even Michael himself would acknowledge that he was not the Lord and of course not Jesus. So that's probably the the best scripture that shows that difference. Um, and then let's look at one other from Hebrews chapter one, verse one, uh, where the writer of Hebrews writes, "Long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days." He has spoken to us by his Son, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So again, uh, this uh, verse, these set of verses show us that Jesus is superior to angels and certainly even more superior than even the archangels. So no, Jesus is not, uh, Jesus and the archangel Michael are two very different <coughs> beings and uh, scripture spells that out quite clearly. All right, good answer on that. Let me clarify one thing before we get a bunch of calls. Yeah. <laughs> I think you slipped up a little bit when you said Michael was only uh, mentioned once. I think you meant he's only called the archangel yeah, yeah. once. Yeah, he's only called the archangel once. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's in He's in there a couple other times. Yeah, yeah. Some of our solid viewers will yeah. be, be catching us yeah. on that. Yeah. So, uh, Ask he, for grace on the faux pas there. <laughs> he, he's back in Daniel and in yeah. Revelation somewhere that yeah. mentions Michael, just doesn't call yeah, him the archangel. The archangel. Yeah. I think Daniel calls him one of the chief princes or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't know much about archangels, but Michael was one. <laughs> okay, Jeff. Okay, I've got one about pork. It's an important one. If you like pork, was the command not to eat pork because they didn't have ways to safely store it, does it apply today? Uh, I'm sure that there were some cultural hygienic concerns about storing meat, uh, and, and there were lots of laws con concerning meat, concerning animals, unclean animals and clean animals. God deemed certain animals clean and certain animals unclean. Uh, why he did that? 
uh, is a question for God. We don't know necessarily, and the Bible doesn't tell us, but certain animals were deemed unclean. Uh, pork was one of those. One thing that it did was it set God's people apart. And I think that was the reason for uh, a lot of these, these laws. If you look at Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, you can see a lot of laws concerning a number of different things. I just opened my Bible to Numbers, and you can see um, laws about sacrifices, uh, the, breaking the Sabbath, unintentional sins, uh, tassels on garments. So there were a lot of these things, and what they did was they set God's people apart. Uh, and, and they also make me glad that I live in, in the, the, the time that is post-death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God's people were supposed to be set apart, and this was one of the things that, that did that. Um, so let's look at Mark seven eighteen to answer the other part of your question. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared, all foods clean. So if we only had the end part of that verse, we would know the answer to this question. He declared all foods clean. Uh, Jesus was much more concerned with the heart of a person than what that person ate, what went into that person's mouth. Uh, he goes on to say that, that out of the heart come all sorts of evil things that very obviously make us unclean. Um, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, murder, and deceit. These are the things which we know make a man unclean, not what they eat. Uh, now I will add here all things in moderation, uh, including bacon and ham and those kind of things. Uh, but as Christians, we are free to enjoy pork. Thank you. Yeah, you're exactly right on that. doesn't apply today, uh, and we're glad for that, most of us. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, the, the point there about setting God's people apart, I think that's interesting. Uh, the food, a lot of it, we can say, yeah, that's because of we know about trichinosis, and we know about this disease and that disease and all that. But many, many of the laws... You, you can't figure out a scientific reason for it. Uh, it. They don't make much sense to us, but God was training a people that had just come out of 400 years of captivity in Egypt. Uh, they didn't know who God was. <laughs> they were familiar with multiple gods and all of that, so uh, a lot of those laws were just to teach them that, okay, I'm God, I said this, you're different than everybody else. That's so, right. Yeah. So, yeah, good good answer there. All right, let's make sure we get our trivia question answered before we quit today. And that's a multiple choice for you. Which of Israel's enemies captured the Ark of the Covenant? That was a big, big deal. Uh, Ammonites, Philistines, or Moabites? And if you just had to guess, you'd probably guess Philistines because they seem to be the baddest guys in the Old Testament, uh, probably because Goliath was their champion and we remember him. But First Samuel 4, it was the Philistines that uh, got the Ark of the Covenant and David had to return it later. So hope you got that one right. We're glad that you've been with us. If you haven't signed up for that correspondence course, today would be a good day to do that, either uh, at the print editions or online and begin studying the Bible with us here at Know Your Bible. A uh, great way to learn a little bit more about your Bible. We're glad you've been here and gave us some questions. We're going to come back next week and answer some more of them. So uh, we'll invite you back then. Until then, have a great week.
Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.